what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Elemental Evan Show. Today, I have a very special guest for myself personally. Um, we have an interesting story of how we met, which I'm sure we will share with all of you. Um, but without further ado, let me welcome Sandy. How you doing, Sandy? Ooh, I'm <laughs> yeah. great, man. Beautiful. It's raining outside. Uh, I feel good, and it's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see you as well. I think in a lot of ways, this is a... Uh, kind of like a, just a good excuse for me to have a, a nice little video chat with you. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. want to tell people how we met? Yeah. So, well, let me go ahead and run some rapid fire questions. And then I think that's going to be the first uh, topic we'll probably have to hit on. So Beautiful. Um, first off, let me just ask, uh, where are you from, Sandy? I grew up in Kansas. Awesome. Outside, Can right outside of Kansas City in a place called Olathe. Olathe, yeah, and uh, we'll we'll get more into why I was like totally blown away by <laughs> that whole fact. Um, okay, and then where are you currently living at the moment? Bali, Indonesia. Bali, Paradise. Indonesia. It is. It's a beautiful place. Uh, yeah, definitely need to come up and visit you sometime. Uh, but I'm I'm happy you're enjoying the area, brother. Man, we got a two bedroom place just for you. So come visit. <laughs> I mean, dude, with that, with you telling me that, like, I have no excuse not to come, you know? Voila. Come, okay. brother. Let's do it. Um, I want to ask you, what is, what's a favorite quote of yours? Oof. Hmm. Put me on the spot. Yeah, I think sorry, I, man. I, I immediately gravitate towards Bob Marley quotes because he's mm -hmm. had such a huge impact on my life since such a young, young uh, child. But, um... I would say the quote that I like most is um, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds, mm -hmm. you know, because um, I feel like in these times we're so like enslaved by our mind and our thinking and conditionings. Uh, so, yeah, basically break free, you know, learn to think for yourselves and realize that we're these sovereign beings, you know, with, with the free way to think. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's that's a uh, one of definitely one of his best quotes. But also, uh, emancipate yourself from mental slavery is so that's pretty deep. You know, I mean, like you can think of like physical slavery and stuff like that. But yeah, in in a lot of ways, like there are many people who are mentally slaved by them enslaved by themselves, right? You know, and, I would say and, most. Yeah I, yeah, I would as well. Absolutely. Uh -huh. um, whether that's kind of due to upbringing or society, whatever it may be. But uh, beautiful quote. Thank you for sharing that one, Sandy. I love that. Yeah. Can I ask I, you? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you know, actually, I have a lot of favorite quotes, but I would say the one I've been coming back to a lot here recently is uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I've just been noticing it in a lot of different things. Like uh, there's this book called It Takes What It Takes. And uh, I think just that as well is a great quote, but it's like a lot of times like I'll be doing something very difficult and it's just like, God, there must be an easier way, right? But then sometimes I'll, I'll think of that and it's like, sometimes it just takes what it takes. Like you gotta, you have to be willing to kind of put your head down and get the work done. And of course, like work smarter, not harder. But I think also there's so many times that we try to just find an easy way out. And I think the process in which you get to a point helps really build character in you and, and develop a skill. And so uh, those two quotes kind of together, it's like when I'm doing anything, I try to really do it in a way where I put my full effort into it, you know, and, and I really um, 
you know, I want to show up in the world as like a person who takes care of themselves physically, emotionally, mentally, all that, you know, and, and really gives back. And, and yeah, so I just really like in everything that I'm doing, I try to do that. And I see even Ashley with her tea ceremonies, like, I think there's so much to be learned through that as well, because even with just the movements and the actions of the hands, you know, it's like, you have to be very, uh, very kind of like, not direct, but you can't overthink, like you have to just do, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, I think it creates a lot of like, it's just, it's on a small version. It's a good way to see like, okay, the way you serve tea can even show up in other ways in your life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you're not like fully present and aware, you might clink stuff and spill. And so it's like, you have to be very aware, very present in all your actions and yeah, long winded That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. And it it really just comes back to the breath as well. When you want to be present with something, when you really want to take in the moment, you could just take, you don't even have to consciously breathe but just be aware of it and it's like you know when you're watching a beautiful sunset maybe instead of whipping out your phone and taking a picture first you can you know come back to the breath and really take in the moment and like when you said serving tea take in the moment breathe so that's uh that's why breath is so important to me dude so i mean i was kind of going to ask you something on that on the last (laughs) question but um being that you've kind of gone to that which is is so good is yeah, like, I, I think what's so amazing about breath is just that, like, exactly what you said, of all things that you can do, if you really want to feel present in that moment, then take a very conscious and deep breath. And like, you're going to have no other option but to be very present, because literally, you're focusing on the the moment and like the action of that moment, right? Like, yeah. Pretty and what's simple, important to add to that is in that big breath is to Make sure it's through your lower diaphragm, you know, belly breathing, not right. a, a big breath from the chest. I mean, I guess you can, but, you know, to really come back to the moment, you know, breathe in beautifully from the belly and let it out smoothly. That's important as well. Right, right. I mean, yeah, to activate that parasympathetic state and everything. and Exactly. Yeah, no, that's yeah, amazing, we're dude. We're kind of stuck in the sympathetic state all day, you know, with this shallow chest breathing, you know. And that's why, like, breath work is so cool because it's like, a short amount of time that we could stress our body and activate the sympathetic. And then, yeah, through the rest of the day, you know, breathe through your nose, as I'm sure you've spoken a lot on. Breathe through the nose, calmly and slowly through the belly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to be talking a lot more about, like, breath work for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. But to fit, wrap up, uh, I guess that would leave me with, well, I'll, I'll make another uh, question here at the end. But one more is, uh, what's your favorite book, at least of the moment or possibly of all time? Mm. It's a good question. I would say, I would say there's two books that have had a huge impact on my life. Um, the first one I read at a young age called The Four Agreements. Have you read that? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, I read it, I think, when I was 16. And it really helped you. You have it on your shelf. I I turned around right now. It's so I was at a I was at a thrift store earlier, and they had it for ninety nine cents. And I was like, dude, I always like I'm happy to give out books, so I I just grabbed one because it's so good. But sorry, continue, brother. It's no, it's so good. Yeah, I've given that book to so many people as well. But um, at a young age, you know, going through high school, middle school, it really helped me. Not really put so much thought into what people think about me, which is important, you know, and that was the, I think the second agreement, maybe don't take things personally, Mm -hmm. even when they compliment you, you know, 
you don't want to boost your ego, you know, you just want to stay even, you know. So that helped a lot. And then the second book is Be Here Now, Ramdas book. And uh, actually, I have Be Love Now, which is his other book. But Be Here Now is whew, so beautiful. Super have you good. read it? No, I haven't read that one. Uh, I love Ramdas. So yeah, it's it's incredible. Dang. Okay, I'll have to add that to the list, man. I got this ever growing list. I bit yeah. And uh, for the people listening, I've been to Evan's house. He has great books on the shelf. What is your favorite book? Oh man. <laughs> okay. Um, dang, that's super tough. Hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the sequel would be better. Uh, no, um, I, yeah, actually I read a lot of like, I feel like a majority of my readings are like a lot of like, you know, quote unquote, like self-help books or whatever. Um, so I have a lot of those that I'm like, oh, those are really great. But, uh, I would definitely say one thing that I'm really enjoying right now is the daily stoic. And Mm. the reason I'm enjoying that is just because we pair like Ashley and I pair that with our tea ceremonies. So like right after we do that in the morning, we'll read the daily stoic. So like for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically just a collection of meditations from all the stoics and there's a new one each day. And then kind of like a synopsis about it from the author. And so it's just been really nice because even like Ashley's brothers, they saw it and they were like, Oh, well like, is there a new, like, does he publish a new one of these every year? So you have like a new one. And I was like, no, like every time you read it, each year it's going to hit differently. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, I was like, because the book doesn't change, but you do by the time you reread it. Right. And so, um, it's just really cool. Like to sometimes see how you'll read a passage and it totally relates with what you're going through or something. And so Mm. I really enjoy that. Um, and do you, do you read it together out loud after this tea ceremony? And that's like, yeah, oh, that's beautiful. That's a nice time together as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Ah. It's it's a super beautiful time. Um, Yeah. So that is probably my favorite one right now. And then aside from that, I had read, um, was it Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza? Yeah. And that's like, man, a lot of my meditations that I do are based off of that book now. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, I know. Yeah, no, about the meditation from Joe Dispenza, like, are you moving the energy up? Using the like Mula Banda lock and all that, like what do you do for your meditations? Yeah, so uh, my meditations typically they start off uh, very soft. So in the beginning, like sometimes I'll even start with just a little bit of breath work to kind of like when the mind is so like just waking up, you know, because I meditate like typically right out of bed. Um, and so I, I usually take like a moment or two to just kind of bring awareness to the body. And typically when I start to get really into my meditation, I'll take conscious breaths into each chakra. And like, he talks about like focusing on that chakra and then the area around it. And this is to bring like awareness to the body. So I do that all the way through. And then after that period of time, I then will start to do some of those, uh, which are basically just contractions of certain muscles to help push the blood flow up the spine. And, uh, yeah, so I'll do that. And then after that, I either, I kind of usually feel how I'm feeling that day. And sometimes if it's like, my mind is just crazy, then I just like, I take time to just sit, sit and be still and try to calm the mind. If my mind is super calm, then I go deeper and I try to do like more manifestations and stuff like that. Mm. And then do you ever, cause I, I believe in the book, you also mentioned you could hold your breath at the top once you work each energy center. And then that activates what the gamma rays or the theta? 
yeah, so it's been a while now since I've read, but uh, Gamma, I know, was like the, the highest. Okay, like, so. If you get to Gamma, you're like, like you're you're, you're connected God. at that point yeah, <laughs> right, yeah literally you know um yeah. but i think it's like is it delta that you start activating i think um mm. once you start getting to that point but yeah essentially like what was it with the the pineal gland and then like the pituitary gland and then the different like um melatonin like interacting with it causes some outer body experiences and stuff so yeah yeah and you feel great <laughs> And I like how he, he describes the spinal cord as the, the prana tube, right? Is that him who yeah. says that? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he's right, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Send that life force up. Exactly. Yeah, no. I uh, Thank you for asking me this, man. Actually, uh, I've never been asked that. <laughs> it's definitely not on my show either. So thank you very beautiful. much, man. Of course, man. I'm yeah. interested. And then how long yeah. do you typically sit in this uh, meditation? Yeah, they, they last um, on average, I would say, no less than 25 minutes. And then I probably don't go anywhere over 45 minutes, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Right, yeah. okay. I recently went to a... Have you ever done active meditation? Hmm, I don't know if I have. Well, like, ex- explain active meditation because I was taught a form of meditation in yoga, but he never really gave me the terminology. So mm. explain to me. Yeah, well, it's based on Osho's teaching, you know, the, the okay. Indian guru. <clears throat> we actually mm-hmm. ran into this uh, Indian meditation teacher by chance at a cafe uh, a week ago. And he actually came to Bali to teach this active meditation because he he was blessed by Osho as a baby. Uh, Osho put his finger on his forehead when he was like 10 months old and blessed him in a way. Um, and we met this guy and it was such an incredible conversation and he invited us to his active meditation which i went to two days ago and it was pretty intense um it's the opposite of what you think meditation is (laughs) it was uh it was starting by this like chaotic breathing through the nose to to really get out all the carbon dioxide like (laughs) lots of lots of that breathing but you don't want to you don't want to do an arrhythmic form because that'd be like pranayama you want to be very chaotic like (laughs) You know, it was crazy. I was oh, in this room whoa. with these people, like we were breathing as hard as we could, moving our body, getting all the CO2 out. And that's the first step. And the second step um, was we started like out through the mouth, even more carbon dioxide, kind of like yelling in a way, activating the lower chakras. Like, <gasps> <gasps> it was crazy yeah. to be in this environment. Yeah, really expelling more CO2 and you start to... You start to feel a bit different, of course. You know, at a physiological level, you have no CO two. But um, and then after that, everyone raises their hand and we ground down. Uh, and during this whole time, it's chaotic music, like tribal drumming, very high intensity music. And then you start jumping in a rhythmic way, and on the downbeats, <gasps> and you're activating the lower chakra, you know, and you focus Whoa. your energy. You focus your energy there. And we do this for about 30 minutes and your arms are dying. And then he says, freeze. And you freeze with your hands in the air. And that's when everything calms down and your mind becomes clear. And you remain with your hands up and your shoulders will hurt. But what he said was interesting. When you feel this pain, um, you just become uninterested. You, you become aware of it, but you don't place much attention to it. You just be like, okay, I'm aware of that, but I'm not interested. And then it kind of just goes away in a beautiful way. And then, and then after that for like 10 minutes, then you move into dancing with the breath and then you sit down 
for a vipassana meditation and at that point after an hour of doing all that you're there's nothing in your mind and it's so clear and you can like see your breath coming in and out so he says this active meditation is to prepare you for these vipassana retreats vipassana meditation where you're meditating for 10 to 12 hours a day you know so it's my first time doing something like that and it was really interesting Jeez, yeah. man. Okay. <laughs> well, my short answer to that then is no, I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That's really neat. Uh, yeah, like it's so crazy to see the different styles of meditation because, you know, like the morning one that I do, that's like, that like kind of kicks my day off and I just feel good after, you know? But then, yeah, you have like this active meditation, which is for going into even deeper meditations, right? Um, Like when I, and so the meditations I was doing in my yoga teacher training, they were more like repetitions of mantras and trap the mind, um, more like visualization at the same time and movement of the body, right? Like activating different chakras. So uh, that's why I was like, oh, maybe that might be a type of active, but it was not the same type of active. Uh, Yeah, but that's so crazy. Like uh, what what an interesting what an interesting style of meditation. I've never heard of that, but I love the the shoulders burning and understanding that the hurt is there, but like you also don't have to like be in the hurt. You can also just know it's there and be like, cool, like I'm going to override my mind right now and just like feel this experience, like fully experience it, you know? Yeah. And like, I loved what he said, just become uninterested and that helps so much, you know, because if you have a pain in your body, you usually place your attention there and it, you know, it stays there. But if you just, uh, I mean, you could breathe into pain and have it go away as well. But uh, yeah, the the word uninterested was really interesting for me to hear. Yeah. Um, You know, it's uh, so kind of something that like, this is a new meditation I've tried here. This is actually from Ashley's practice. It was for tea, for tea ceremony. Um, And so it's, it's essentially just holding a posture, Um, you know, like cross legs, you'd be lotus pose, whatever. And uh, it was really interesting because in this meditation, he kind of just states, he's like, meditation is posture. Posture is meditation. There is no difference. If you are holding this posture correctly, then you are meditating because that means you are actively being present and aware, right? Because what you're doing is keeping a straight, solid back, right? With your head, like feeling like it's being, you know, there's a string connected to the heavens, like holding it, you know, straight up and down, right? And then legs are rooted deeply into the ground, hands are slightly lifted, you know, like tongue pressed to the roof, you know, and and all these different things where it's like, yeah, if you're actually properly doing all of that, like, you're going to be in a meditation for sure, you're going to be fully present. And uh, I've never heard anyone uh, in all my like meditation classes really explain it like that, you know, like, like to to be in posture is to be in meditation Mm, i like that and then what would you recommend people you know because meditation could seem a bit daunting and boring how would you recommend like starters to start meditating Mm. dude honestly like i think there's so many accessible ways nowadays with all these different like you know personally i mean like i think there's a very simple way of going about it which is literally you can sit down for five minutes like super short, you know, cause everyone is always about time. Right. Um, even I was myself, like when I first started and it was like, Oh God. So I think setting a very short goal, five minutes, work your way up to 10, whatever it may be. And like, all you have to do is just breathe. And like, if thoughts start arising, just like 
understand that they're there and just kind of let them go and try your best to really like clear your mind and feel present. I find that's usually one of the easiest for people to do or even um, maybe do a physical exercise like yoga and then go ahead and have your Shavasana and typically your mind's much more clear. Um, Yeah, I think those are pretty good routes. And then there's like Headspace and all these different applications that um, have really great beginner stuff, you know, and, and I think there are awesome ways to get into it, mm-hmm. really, whatever gets you into it, you know? Yeah, it's beautiful. And like you said, it just like, it starts with really just sitting down, closing your eyes, you know, because we're always, we're having these, these stimulating things all around us, our phone, our TV, people talking. So it's like, how often do we just sit down, close our eyes and just take a break for a bit? And like you said, just five minutes, you know, it's, it can really have a big impact on your life. It's easy. We all have five minutes. Come on. Right. Yeah. No, that's you're 100% right. Um, and actually, to that point as well, one of the um, people I interviewed who also does tea ceremonies pointed out a really good thing, and that is that tea ceremonies are a great way to introduce people into meditation because you're going for a purpose, which people, when they think of meditation, like, oh, I'm alone with my thoughts. It's more daunting, like, you know, typically. Um, but when you're going for a purpose, oh, I'm going to drink tea and like watch the ceremony, even though it's in silence hundred percent. And like everyone's basically in kind of a meditative state, like you don't look at it that way. So that is also a good introduction, um, to meditation. I think I love the tea ceremony that I went with you. It was so beautiful. Thanks man. Yeah. And, uh, I love, I love doing community things in silence. I like to talk to people, of course. Uh, but it's also being, it's nice being in silence with people. There's something about it. It's like eating a meal in silence. It helps you be more present on the food and what you're doing instead of just talking and just eating mindlessly, you know? So yeah, there's something about being silent with people, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy you enjoyed that. I I mean, I kind of figured you would, uh, I, it's just so beautiful. It's like if you, if you enjoy any kind of meditation, you'd probably would love it. Even if you don't like meditation, you'll probably love it. But, um, yeah, that was like such a pleasure having you guys out. Yeah, and, thank and you so much, with you guys. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, uh, oh man, I felt like I had another tangent. I was going to go on from there, but real quickly, I wanted to I wanted to ask you. One of my last questions was, what What is your favorite breath work to do? Mm. So, or do you have a favorite? Yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite, but. Um... Yeah, because there's different kinds, you know, there's there's the ones like the Wim Hof method where people usually do it for physical benefits. Um, but I, I like to do more stuff, uh, do more breath work on a spiritual level, which is longer sessions. It's very long, conscious, connected breathing. Um, and sometimes it's an hour of conscious, connected breathing. And for those who don't know what conscious, connected breathing is, it's basically circular breathing. You start breathing from the belly, you move it up to the chest and you let it out. And you have no pause between the inhale and exhale. You just want to create this unified breath. And then sometimes we do that for an hour nonstop. And then for whatever reason, after doing that for a long time, you enter this like altered state. You tap into your, I don't know, your psyche, your subconscious, and you can really get high and have these insights. You know, you can release trauma. Um, I just really, for me, it's usually just very heart opening. And I, I usually just cry, you know, I have so much gratitude. I'm not a crier, you know, but in breath work after these long sessions, I have tears of joy and I want to like call my mom after, tell her how much I love her. 
But um, in Mexico, when I was living there, I took this class many, many times. I learned a lot from her. Her name is Lily, and it's called Psychedelic Breathwork. And the point is to kind of enter a psychedelic state, meaning get out of your mind and more into your subconscious or into this altered state of consciousness through the breath. And what she incorporates is the conscious connected breathing. Just continue that. And then after maybe six minutes of doing that, seven minutes, we take a big breath hold. And after that, you just blast off into infinity. You know, it's so beautiful. And then we keep doing that for about 25 minutes. And um, then it's just this guided meditation after. And the whole class is about an hour. So my favorite breath work is called psychedelic breath work. And um, I think it's only done in Mexico, in Tulum, by this beautiful teacher. So yeah, I'm, I'm more into the longer forms of breath work where I can, you know, have insights, manifest, release stuff. Uh, so that's, that's more what I'm into, but on my channel, I teach more shorter with breath holds, kind of like the Wim Hof style, uh, to just make people feel good, you know, make them smile, feel good, start the day. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, I've done a few of your videos now and I think not only do you feel amazing after you're done with the videos, but as well, the production level is insane because the music quality and then also like just your voice i don't know how you do the production level of it but like it comes out very clean and like very uh not like shouty or anything like it's very soft you know but like still audible you know and it's perfect man uh, i really enjoy the classes um thank you yeah, so much no, shout out to you and like Dude, no, for sure. We'll definitely be um, posting, you know, any links for your YouTube page and all that um, on the show notes. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. And this, I, I kind of wanted to ask you, so for your favorite psychedelic style breathing, um, so I noticed like you do a, you know, a, a belly chest uh, out mm -hmm. breath, right? Yeah. Typically. So would you do that the entire time you're in the psychedelic class, like taking like a belly chest out? belly chest out kind of breath exactly yeah and then on the exhale it's important not to force it out to just kind of let it out with a sigh in a way like <sighs> and laying down of course mm. you're able to expand your lungs more and get more in because it's all about bringing stuff in uh but in my videos i sit up but yeah in these classes i like to lay down and so yeah it's for a long time this conscious connect breathing belly chest out belly chest out with rhythmic music playing and then randomly, she'll just tell us all to breathe in and we hold. And at that point, you know, you have all these tingly sensations. Your mind is like, and you become like just in your body. And at that time, you know, maybe some emotions can get released. People start crying, you know, and um, because we bottle down a lot of our emotions. It's so easy for us to just use our mind to bottle everything. And a lot of us don't realize it. But for some reason, when we do this breath work, it kind of comes up and the way I like to view it is like um, this bottle has a cap on it. And the more we breathe, we're bringing in oxygen, filling it up, filling it up, filling it up, filling it up. And at some point, pop, you know, the lid comes off and these emotions release. And um, which normally wouldn't happen in our day to day life, just shallow breathing or stuff. And so from that point, we're able to integrate like, why, why did these emotions come up? And you're able to really like, kind of like heal in a way. So yeah, it's it's quite intense and it's very beautiful and uh, I'm so glad I'm on this path. No, no, that's incredible, Sandy. Um, actually, that that leads me to a good question: is how did you find your way to breath? Like, where where was it that you first connected with it and you were like, 
dang, this is this is what I need to be mm. doing. Yeah, so I was in for like nine months. I was in this thing called a womb. And then I, I came out and <gasps> I took my first breath. <laughs> no, um, it's actually funny. Uh, so I left home, I left home uh, after university four and a half years ago to travel the world. You know, you're a world traveler as well. I wanted to get to know cultures, learn languages, and more importantly, learn about myself. And then uh, kind of at the beginning of this travel, I was in Panama in the mountains, volunteering in a hostel uh, up in the mountains. And I ran into this guy who actually studied with Wim Hof. And he invited me up to this cold river on top of the mountain, a little where we could swim. And I knew nothing about breath work. Um, I didn't really know much about yoga at that point either. So he, he took me and a group up there and he, and he showed us this breath work, this Wim Hof style, you know, the repeated 30 to 40 deep, powerful breaths followed by breath hold. So we did that and then we jumped in the water and it was still cold, but we continued to do the breath work and I felt my body like start to get warm and this freezing cold water became warm and I felt like I could just chill in there all day through this breath work. So that guy kind of changed my life. And from that point on, I started doing lots of Wim Hof. And then I started exploring other, other breathwork styles away. But um, yeah, it started about four years ago in the mountains of Panama, meeting this random guy. I don't even know his name anymore. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Oh my gosh. I guess moral of the story is travel. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> dude, That's incredible. Yeah. What about breathwork you? is such... Yeah, so uh, I had done a little bit of breath work in like a couple of yoga classes, but it never was anything like too crazy, like a little breath of fire typically, um, which for those of you who don't know, is just like, you know, um, using the abdomen on your inhale to expand and then exhale, contract and like really fast to get your body warmed up. Um, and yeah, I guess that was like the first time I tried it. But then the time I really got into it was... Uh, yeah, at my yoga teacher training, um, when I was there back in 2019, I think, um, every single day we did an hour of breath work and it's incredible. I mean, like some of the sensations you feel. Yeah. What style say? of breath work were you guys doing every day for an hour? So he would always mix mm. them up. Um, but typically we would do a Kapalabhati, which is like a little bit of a slower style, um, breath of fire. And then we would do uh, a lot of the Nadi Shodhana, which is like the alternate nostril breathing. Um, we also would do there, which actually one of my favorite uh, breath works is, and I can't remember the name of it now, but um, you actually hum on mm. your exhale. And I love those. That's like, that's my favorite. That's probably my favorite breath work. Um, and that's just because the effect it has on the parasympathetic nervous system to make you feel just so blissed out and calm is, is incredible. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, it's also very meditative for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like the box breathing, you yeah. know, where it's like however many seconds in hold, you know, in a rhythmic way. And they say on the exhale to do the hum. And if you do that, you're right, man, you feel so blissed out as you say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, and then it's just also really cool to see there's so many different styles of breathing. Um, they even had a couple that were like meant for if you're really hot, um, like different styles of breathing to cool the body down, which is like pretty interesting as well. Um, so it's just it's just crazy. Like there's so many different styles of doing like this something that we think is so basic and simple, but uh, really is like 
are key to like tapping into our autonomic nervous system, you know? And don't you think it's crazy um, that we learn about eating, you know, what food is good, what food is bad, more or less. I mean, we're still not really informed. Uh, we learn that we need to drink water, they say a certain amount every day. But whenever, when are we ever taught how to breathe at a young age, you know? They never teach us how to, how to belly breathe, how to breathe through our diaphragm. You know, because we can go, what, a few minutes without breathing. We can go a few days without water. We can go weeks without food. But it seems to be the most important thing. So why are we not taught it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's super important. Um, I think there are certain cultures that have hit on it, you know, like Ayurveda and stuff. You know, they, they more incorporate all that. But, you know, that's also, like, why I kind of, like, the whole elemental Evan is just because we are of all the elements and they're all super important, you know, and they all deserve their own respect, you know, and air is one of those elements. We need to know how to breathe and breathe properly just as, you know, we need fresh water. And, and, uh, like you said, yeah, I think breath is super important. Um, I also think the quality of air that we're breathing is super important as well. Um, you know, like if you're doing your breath work in a major city, yeah, it's definitely still good, but it would probably be a little bit better up in the pristine mountains or something, you know, and, and it's the same thing with water too. Like we're made up of like, you know, 60 to 70% water yet people are drinking out of their taps and it's filled with all these pharmaceutical runoff and weird decaying pipes. Like there's a lot of weird stuff in it. And, but that's like probably more important than food in a lot of ways is the quality of water mm -hmm. we drink, you know? Yeah. So then people living yeah. in cities, what do you recommend about water? like finding a local spring or having a filter? Um, I mean, spring water is probably one of the best waters out there. Um, but then finding a source and then, you know, then you can kind of come into the whole like, uh, well, how much, you know, pollution are you creating through the transportation of it? Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of different things about it. But I, I would say spring water is going to be one of the best waters to drink. But for myself personally, I do have a reverse osmosis system. So you're pretty much filtering water to like a very pure H2O form and then restructuring that water with some form of minerals would be the best way to go so that the water is not just in pure H2O form, uh, which is not common in nature. It actually should be bound with something because it's a natural solvent, right? Um, so making sure it's combined with something like pink Himalayan sea salt or something, you know, just a little sprinkle mm. of that. Speaking so, of that, yeah. uh, when you were doing your fast, your three-day fast, were you drinking Himalayan sea salt water? So I I was eating some salt. I you was were just eating, eating some sea salt. Like a, um, like a snack, just chewing yeah, it. I, yeah. Really? Uh, honestly, I was still – yeah, yeah, I really was. Like I was to a point on day two I was so hungry uh. that <laughs> – Actually, tasting salt was so tasty to me. Um, so I would just like nibble on salt. Um, but in my water in general, I have that structured so it still has like minerals in it. Um, but I was adding extra minerals to each glass of water that I drink. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then so you said day two, you were super hungry. Or when did you first start to like feel yeah. the, the hunger? And was it actually you thirsty so, or were you yeah. hungry? You know, because there's a difference. So, I mean, I would say my first whole 24 hours were super easy. I mean, I've done a 24-hour fast many times. 
Um, but knowing that I was going to be going three days kind of like messes with my mind. And so I think I almost felt a little bit hungrier than normal in that first 24 hours. And then day two rolled around and that was by far the Mm. worst day. Like I had a little bit of a headache. Um, I was hungry. Like I was truly envisioning all these different meals and it wasn't like just like healthy food either. It was like the fattiest (laughs) food you could possibly think about. And I was able to like feel the texture in my mouth. I could taste it, you know, like it was, it was a little bit torturing, you know, for me. Um, so the salt definitely helped. Um, I was drinking some tea as well and some water and, uh, yeah, just made it through. But, uh, I, I would say, I mean, I definitely think like on day two, like, you know, you're over 24 hours at that point. Like you're, you're probably genuinely hungry, but the thing is, is that your body is so programmed to eat every single day that I think it also has to get to a point where it understands like, Oh wait, hold up. We're like legit, not going to get any food. Let's go into this mode of survival and kind of just chill out, which happened for me on day three. And then you just feel amazing, which, um, I know we had talked a little bit about your five day fast, which is insane. Um, but you kind of experienced a similar deal, right? I wanted to ask you, so what I noticed, uh, I've been doing intermittent fasting for over five years now where I, I just pretty mm-hmm. much skip breakfast. So I have this time eating around noon or one in the nighttime. And what I noticed on the five-day fast, for the first few days, I would just be hungry at those times. Like it would come around noon and it would stay there for an hour or so and then it would go away. And then I would get hungry again around dinner time. Did that happen to you? It's funny that you say that now. If I think about it, yeah, that because I usually skip breakfast mm-hmm. as well. And so um, breakfast time is usually the easiest for me to get through. Um, and yeah, about like midday into the evening was, was about where I was getting pretty hungry, which is usually like when I'm eating. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting to think about. Uh, I, it's also kind of like... I, it must just have something to do with patterning, but I also know that Dave Asprey talks about they have like certain cell like organisms in our body. Like if you were to go back like millions of years ago, like into the algae forms, like the sun was at its brightest at midday, and that's when they were able to get like the most photosynthesis and stuff. And so that was like technically mm-hmm. their feeding hour. So if you do like one meal a day, supposedly eating around like two o'clock or something is like the best mm-hmm. time to do it. Because historically, that's when our, you know, bacteria and stuff would have been most accustomed to like mm, receiving That's interesting. Food. And then I, you said day two was yeah. your hard, hardest day. For me, day three. And I got to the point I was like, uh, you know how the mind is. It gets in there. And it was like, hey, you've done great. You know, you've done three days of fast. You can stop your five-day fast and just eat. Be proud of yourself. So I had those thoughts. But then I just took a long walk. And it was, it was a pretty painful walk because I was so hungry. But when then I got back home, uh, you know, it just resided and I was I was fine. And then from that point on, just like you experienced, I felt so good. So much energy, like clear, clean, calm energy and so much focus as well. Like I was still going to the gym every day doing like heavy lifting. Uh, I was hiking in the mountains because I was living in South Korea at that time. And uh, yeah, it was day three for me was was difficult. So. It's kind of interesting. I was, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. And so on my day three, when I started to feel very clear and 
you know, my mind was like super clear and, and I just felt really, really good. Um, you know, I, I definitely believe that's probably a survival mechanism of the body that's like, all right, like we need to really heighten our senses and focus in on gathering food, you know, like we need to find food for our body because like, we're not going to be able to sustain this for forever, you know, like we're going to have to find food. So I feel like that's almost why your body goes into this state of feeling like so great and almost like, it almost feels like you have larger than like 180 vision, you know, like things are a little bit more vibrant, all this, but what's very interesting too is that, so in, okay, so for example, like I didn't like, well, I did a meditation. Uh, Ash and I did a meditation after a tea ceremony while on our third day. And it was one of the deepest meditations I've had in a really long time. And it was mainly due to the fact that my mind was so quiet. Like I, I had to struggle absolutely zero to get my mind to be quiet. And the thing that's so interesting is like, I was starting to think about this was we have two forms of energy. So in yoga, they call prana, which is our breath and also our energy. It's synonymous with both, uh, both words, right? Because truly our breath is our energy. When you breathe in oxygen goes to your cells and then through your mitochondria is combined with the food that you're eating to then create ATP, which is energy for the body. So literally breath is energy, but then at the same time, the other half of energy would be the food that you're eating. So for example, in yoga, they'll have you do a breath retention where you exhale all of your air and then you just hold and meditate there. And typically your mind is so focused on one thing. And that is the fact that you're not breathing. And so since it's not receiving new energy, they say your mind goes more quiet, much faster because it's not having energy to produce new thoughts. So in a way, it's like a great way to get into like a good meditation because no energy, no thought, right? But on the other hand of that, I also feel like a fast is kind of doing the same thing just from a different direction. Like you're still able to breathe and get energy that way, but you're not getting energy through mm. food any longer, right? Like your body's breaking down. But so it's kind of like when I did that meditation, it was like instead of doing a breath retention to get the mind to calm down and quiet, I was just starving it of energy from food and then therefore my mind was also quiet in that manner so i was like man i should have done breath retention <laughs> exactly while that's what i told you i was like uh <laughs> zero do energy some breath work while fasting it's so intense you go super deep but uh yeah there you have it if you want to calm your mind just starve yourself for three days <laughs> <laughs> yeah or you could just hold your breath yeah, yeah you know? exactly and then you, you told me something absolutely disgusting, yeah. which you did after your fast. You drank a whole cup of olive oil. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was the cleanse mm. itself. So for um, for your liver to be purged at that point um, and your, your gallbladder, uh, you have to drink oil because that's what bile breaks mm. down. It helps assimilate into your body. So your bile reserve is completely filled up at that point. And then you, when you drink the olive oil uh, accompanied with uh, lemon juice, uh, which is going to promote <laughs> evacuation of the bowels, you essentially get a huge release of bile. Wow. And How long runs. did that last? <laughs> yeah. Just a day or well, not even a full day, mm. um, just that night. So you do it in the evening and then... You don't mm. sleep too much. Okay. Oh, yeah. How was your sleep during your fast? 
I went to bed for like two hours and then I woke up and I went to the restroom, like barely made it and came back and I probably caught another two or three hours that night at max. No, uh, sorry. Uh, During your three day fast, like those three nights, how was your, how was your sleep? Oh, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, really good actually. Um, yeah, my sleep was super good. Like every time I went to bed, I felt like, Hmm, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for bed. You know, like your body kind of like eases into sleep pretty nicely when you're not really eating right. food, you yeah. know? And were you going to bed earlier? Yeah. But, uh, slightly earlier. And I think the reason for that is because when you're not eating food later in the evening, which I don't usually, I try to, I try to cut my, my eating time pretty early, but when you're not eating late into the evening and you're not like, you're not even allowing yourself to go do it at all. Like you're just kind of <laughs> like bored and you're like, like, I'm just going to want to eat something. So I might exactly. as well just go sleep, you know? And that's, um, that's so kind of how yeah. we are. We were in the past, you know, we didn't have these, these bright lights shining in our face once the sun went down. So we went to bed, I would assume fairly early unless we were having like a, a bonfire dance or something, you know? So yeah, there's, there's something to that for no, sure. Exactly. And what I've, what I've been implementing in my life recently is, um, I leave my phone in the living room, which is outdoor here. I just leave it outside. Um, I stop, I stop looking at it maybe like around eight or so. I don't know what time actually, but I just leave it there. And then I come in my room and it's just for sleeping. And I find I'm able to like go to sleep a lot faster, but also just like, let me go through those different waves that you need to go through. And then I just sleep so much better. And then in the morning, you know, I don't see a phone. I just wake up when the sun wakes me up, which is around six. And I don't look at my phone for another at least two hours. Usually when I click my phone, it's around eight. And I feel like everything is so much more quiet. I'm able to journal better, meditate better, better. You know, there's, it's not better. It's just, uh, for me more clearly. Um, so that's something that I've been doing. It's, it's amazing. Sandy, you're doing the steps that everybody should be doing and probably like a fraction of society is doing at this point in time, like for real. And to get killer sleep, like the sleep that our body deserves and needs, like, yeah, that's essentially what you have to do. And, and I mean, sure, you can go ahead and, and do the blue light blocking glasses. And to an extent, you know, I feel like, yes, that definitely it will help. Like, no, no question. But like, the best thing you could possibly do is just to remove the source of light in the first place. You know what I mean? And, and the thing causing mm-hmm. all that yeah. activity And if in the you brain. have the opportunity to be woken up by that light as well, the sunlight, of course. Uh, instead of like an annoying alarm or some other light, it's it's also beautiful. And then like I feel like, you know, once you wake up, you see the sun, you're not looking at your phone, so you're able to like, oh, how do I feel? How did I sleep? You know, you start to be coming into the body and not like what Joe Dispenza says, if you look at your mm-hmm. phone right away, you're connecting to your past, you know, you're already forming your past personality. You know, what does he say? Your personality is your personal reality. So if you look at your phone, you're already identifying with your past self and then you're yeah. not open to other things coming in your life because you've already identified yourself. And that's why he says to meditate, you know, in the morning so you can expand this consciousness and expand this energy field and to allow just uh, new things to come in your life, you know. So yeah, that's, I'm sure you do something similar as well. I know you have a nice, beautiful routine. I got to witness because I slept on your couch. <laughs> y- y- 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I definitely, so I do have my, my phone in my room, but it's not near me. Um, and then in terms of, yeah, like when I get up, I try not to get on my phone at all. You know, um, I've had kind of a nasty habit here recently of just checking and seeing if I've gotten any messages from anyone. Um, but mm-hmm. I usually don't go any further than that. I just kind of see if anyone's actually reached out, but even that is like, right. I can but it wait feels on good. that, you know? And, and, uh, so yeah, pretty much like, I think in terms of tuning into the body though, like first thing in the morning, what's so nice about that is everything is like, like where your attention goes, energy flows, right? Like that, that saying, and if you first thing are hopping on your phone and that's going to be drawing your energy and attention, well, then that's not leaving any energy and attention for your body, for your intentions for the day, like, you know, all the other things that really truly should require it, you know? And so, uh, I think that's just a great practice to have is, is to not allow that first immediate energy and reactiveness to be drawn out by your, your phone or, you know, whatever kind of mm-hmm. device you have exactly, going yeah. on, you know? Beautiful. But it's difficult, you know? So if you, yeah. uh, if you're trying to practice and you make, you know, you look at your phone, no worries, you know, be kind to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, for sure. I mean, I think that's where we're at is, is we're a little bit addicted and, you know, you can't just like cold Turkey everything. And so, uh, taking some baby steps is, is definitely in order. Um, yeah, but Sandy, I also, I had, I, I feel like I wanted to ask you this earlier on, but, um, these conversations have been so good. So real quick, uh, I have to say, so like, let's, let's, uh, let's dig into the story of how we met. So, um, for, for those of you who don't know Sandy or myself, um, like we both enjoy traveling quite, quite a great deal, obviously, but, uh, Sandy is living in Bali right now, Indonesia. And, uh, who knows, I might be just joining him very shortly with Ashley. Uh, but anyways, we were traveling in, uh, Chile, Ashley and I, we backpacked, uh, South America. And then, uh, we ended up running into this beautiful human being in Pucon, uh, Chile, which is in the Lakes District, correct, Sandy? And then Sandy, what, what were you doing out in Chile? And, and then what yeah, were you doing I, in I was actually doing a Latin America trip as well. And then once I got to Chile, I just stayed there and uh, started teaching English. And then at that point that I met you, I was traveling. It was summertime in South America. So we were traveling around Argentina and Chile and Uruguay at the time. And then, yeah, I think we were finishing up our trip as well. And so were you guys. And we just happened to meet in this beautiful hostel and I think we met speaking Spanish, actually, right? <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what really threw me off is I, I saw you and, and so beautiful. Yeah, the hostel was incredible, like a really so pretty just in the wilderness, like a little cabin kind of. And um, yeah, I think I needed like a pot or a pan or something. And so I in Spanish, like asked you like, oh, are you using that or whatever? And you replied in Spanish, you know, and. And so we kind of like we're talking and I don't know how we eventually, oh, I think in Spanish, I was like, oh, where are you from? And you're like, yeah, I'm from Kansas. You know? And I was just like, what? Yeah, it's such a typical reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that totally and I loved, me. I love telling people I'm from Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I can only imagine the like kind of reactions you get because I mean, even myself, like people are like, oh, dang, that's cool. You speak Spanish, you know, but I mean, like you know, Southern California, like you get more of the like Hispanic kind of influence, you know, but, uh, being from Kansas, man, I mean, yeah, that's got to throw like some crazy looks on some people's faces. And then, uh, and then what did we do after we met? (laughs) 
So then after we met, we ended up going. So we were both heading back to uh, Santiago, I believe, like the following day. So uh, we ended up, we didn't take the same bus, but like our buses left at the same time relatively. Got back to Santiago. And then Ashley and I, we were going to be flying out uh, pretty shortly after, like a day or two later. So we ended up meeting up and going out for what's called terremoto or earthquake. Um, and it's like, what, like Chile's exactly, kind of yeah. national drink, right? <laughs> yeah, because they say, you know, you have one of those and you start shaking like an earthquake because <laughs> it's so high in alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they definitely are strong. I mean, honestly, I only had one and I was feeling good. Ashley and had she's two. Half she's half feeling really good. Um, what's the most of those you've ever drank? <laughs> yeah, pretty important to mention. Ashley is like <laughs> yeah. literally half uh, my no, size. Dude, I honestly think that was only the second time I had one of those after living in Chile for a year. Uh, it's just so sugary, as you as you saw. You know, um, I don't drink very often, but um, if I want to drink, it'll be like some mezcal if I'm in Mexico. Oh, by the way, have you guys opened that bottle yet? Nice. <laughs> yes, we have. It's delicious. Thank you so much, dude. I can't believe yeah, I haven't good, said right? anything about that. Nice. So good, dude. So good. And we Perfect. had it with the orange yeah. slice, yeah, just like you said. Very smooth. No, for sure. Um, yeah, no, my, like very appreciative of that. Um, but you mentioned a good point, which is the sugar content of not just a terremoto, but of literally probably everything, everything. on the shelves of a market. And you have some iron will because you like you're are you like 100 yeah, percent sugar free? Unless it pretty slips much? into my food uh, without knowing but i ask almost every time at a restaurant too you'll be surprised man they put sugar in everything uh even uh even like a pizza oh yeah i know the sauce you know but if it's homemade tomato sauce they usually don't but the the dough they sometimes add uh sugar so it's important to ask but yeah um back in august of last year i read this book called sugar blues which is written in uh 1975 it's not a known book at all uh, i just met a guy who like who just had this amazing energy. He looked strong, calm. His hair was nice. He just looked good, you know? And he's like, yeah, I haven't had sugar in years. Mm -hmm. uh, and he just gave me this book. So I read it and um, yeah, it was life-changing for me. And I just, you know, I, I cut out sugar. I started reading labels on everything and realizing everything has sugar in it. And when I say sugar, it's refined sugar. I still eat fruit. Fruit's great. I still eat vegetables, of great. course. But uh, yeah, and then after a really a few months of doing that, I have absolutely zero cravings of anything sugary. I walk past a bakery. It doesn't look good, uh, which is very strange because I would love in the past, you know, occasional cheesecake or something sweet, you know. But now, like, if I want something sugary, you know, fruit sounds good. And more, more fat, actually, is, is more appealing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I, that's I feel amazing. great. It's it's. It's yeah. hard in a way at first, but then you just get used to it. It's like a lifestyle, you know, and the same go. Yeah. 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 So it's, no, uh, I'm sure you've spoken a lot about sugar on your podcast, but yeah, it's, it's poison. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. I mean, uh, the amount of sugar that we are consuming is insane. And, uh, I, I had recently looked up the statistic, but it's something like in added sugar alone, we consume as Americans something like like 78 or 80 wow. pounds of sugar a year per person. 
And it's just, it's crazy. And like, you know, a lot of people find that hard to believe, but then it's like, yeah, but you drink so much sugar, you know, like we're talking, uh, you know, like Coca-Cola's energy drinks, sports drinks, all of those have sugar in them. And even for example, like, um, in, in some of these, uh, like orange juice or different juices, like there's a ton of sugar in those as well. And yeah, a lot of them are naturally occurring, but at the same time, like when you eat a fruit, you get all the pulp and everything with it. So like the sugar content you're getting is buffered. Whereas when you just drink that sugar, I mean, it's just like a straight shot to the system. Yeah, we drink a lot of sugar. And what's interesting is, uh, Coke, uh, Mexico, I believe, is the second most obese country in the world. I was just living there before Bali. And it's sad, man. Most people are overweight. They're technically obese. like, And you'll see at every single table of a Mexican restaurant, they're drinking Coca-Cola. Everyone. And then another drink that Mexicans drink, yeah. they say agua natural, natural water. <laughs> Usually it's uh, fruit water, but they add so much sugar to it. Right. Uh, so... So they're just constantly drinking yeah. so much sugar. It's crazy. And then I come here and the locals are skinny. They're healthy. And I, I don't think I've seen any Balinese person drinking a Coca-Cola because I don't think Coke has, you know, kind of like an image here. Whereas they're in Oaxaca or in uh, not Oaxaca, Chiapas in Mexico. Coke actually takes the fresh water there and produces a lot of uh, Coke in that, in that state of Mexico. So then it's left with not a lot of fresh oh, wow. water for the locals. So there's a water shortage, but what they don't know is they keep drinking Coca-Cola who is the company that is taking the fresh water. And that state alone is the state that drinks the most Coca-Cola in all of Mexico. And it's mainly indigenous. So it's really crazy what Coke is doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Damn dude. That's so crazy. I like, Dude, it, it's it's so multi-leveled, you know, the issue. Right. It's it's such a trip. Um, I was also going to say, uh, I've heard, I can't remember exactly who was saying this, but I guess that when, when you eat high amounts of sugar, it signals to the brain that it's time to eat as much as you can and consume, consume, consume to put on weight because... Typically, when we would receive high levels of sugar, if you were to go back to our like ancestral times, it would have been during summertime when fruit was ripe. And fruit, before it's ripe, actually has a very low sugar content. That's why unripened fruit is not sweet, but actually has a higher vitamin C content when it's unripe. But once it becomes ripe and has that high level of sugar, our bodies naturally will understand that, oh, okay, it's summertime. This is bountiful. We need to be putting on as much as we can. So let's eat all these sugary fruits so that then our body can go ahead and store whatever it is that we're eating as like energy, as fat exactly. for later on down the road. But we just live in a time of like <laughs> exactly. constant ripe in fruit, a sense, right? Yeah. And like, it's in, in everything. Sense, right? So we just keep on eating. Yeah. And if we weren't hungry, you know, these big corporations wouldn't make money on their products. So I get it, you know, it's part of the plan. And there's another thing that's like, yeah, I focus and, uh, has improved so much since cutting out refined sugars. Like I have, I have so much focus. I have so much creativity and I find like when you eat like a Snickers bar or something super high in sugar, you're kind of in this like brain fog and you can't think very clearly. So in a way our society is kind of stuck in this fog of really not, being clear in our head 
you know, which is important. So it's strange times. <laughs> Super strange times for sure. Um, and yeah, you're, you're a hundred percent correct on that. It does create like a, t- a type of fog and like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad because, you know, definitely sugar is a form of fuel, you know, for our bodies, but it's like with anything, like, uh, right. too much of anything is a bad thing, you know? And, and we're eating like way more than like, you know, enough of sugar. Like and for yeah, most things in life, out of balance I'm it. sure you could agree less is more, you know, less, less thoughts, less food, hundred uh, percent, less, uh, less ejaculation, <laughs> Less, less many things, man. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, I think that fast taught me so much about going with less, you know, um, we don't require as much as we think we need, you know? Um, but yeah, so obviously we have so much more to talk about Sandy. Um, I think we should definitely have another episode and save some of these incredible topics for later. So we give them the time and depth that they deserve. Um, so until then, um, I'll just let everyone know that we will dive into more topics on things such as semen retention, um, my experience with it, um, and Sandy's experience with it. Sandy's actually the one who kind of encouraged me to go for it. So, um, yeah, you guys can expect to hear some of that on the next episode. And, uh, until then, uh, Sandy, please share with everyone how they best can reach you, um, connect with you, listen to your incredible breathwork videos, which are insane. Obviously I'll already link that in the, in the show notes, but, uh, share it all, man. Yeah. Uh, I use Instagram and YouTube and my YouTube channel is breathe with Sandy and my Instagram handle is breathe with Sandy. Pretty simple. And actually, if anyone's interested in being in an upcoming video, I made an announcement to see if anyone would like to be in my next video to record themselves breathing to my unreleased song. And then I'm going to edit it and have this like worldwide breath work, you know, for peace in a way to connect us all around the world through the breath. So it's a big project I'm working on. So if anybody's interested, um, go to my YouTube page and then you could find out more information on that. That's amazing, Sandy. Dude, I'm going to, I'm going to go check that out as well, actually. Yeah, please be in it, man. Yeah, that'd you be awesome. Ashley. Yeah, that'd be beautiful. I'd love that. Cool, cool. cool. Okay, so yeah, so you guys already know. Um, Instagram to meet up, or not to meet up, but to connect with Sandy. And yes, please go to his YouTube. I'll, I'll link both of these um, so you can go check out his amazing videos. And uh, we'll definitely be having you back on, Sandy. You're such an incredible human being, dude. I'm so thankful to be able to have these conversations with you, man. Likewise, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, for all of you out there listening, you guys know the motto, do everything with good intentions, uh, connect to your elements. And do you want to add anything to that, Sandy? Beautifully said, no, I love it. Okay. All right. Maybe connect with the breath. (laughs) Yeah. Remember to breathe and remember to laugh. There you go. (laughs) Much love, man. Have a great one, brother. Okay. Peace. Peace. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. Evan Roberts is not a medical professional and this podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Statements and views expressed on this show are not medical advice. This podcast, including Evan Roberts and any guests on the show, disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in this episode. If you think you have a medical problem, please consult a medical professional. Thank you.